Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Stephen the Warman Writes Kickfighting Podcast Show. I'm your host, Stephen the Warman. You are listening to this podcast in various ways, but the most efficient way is to either go to the blog, which is lordjul.podbean.com, or go to the iTunes search engine and, and search engine and enter Warman Kickfighting Show, and my show pops right up. So originally, I was going to talk about how we were heading into the a possible golden age of kickboxing. There's some great, fantastic news that's going on out there that's got me excited. But then as soon as I get excited about it, kickboxing's got to go kickboxing. Muay Thai's got to go Muay Thai, if you will. And the outside factors are becoming issues again. So I'm going to go ahead and get started with just started on a good note. Going to start a good note and end on a good note, but then I'm going to have to deal with the in-between. So first of all, Let's go ahead and start with the big result of uh, Superlek beating Takaru uh, in Japan. It was a fantastic fight. It's fantastic because it told story. Uh, the first two rounds are one-sided. Uh, for those who, you know, the calf kick's getting real popular. A lot of the Chinese athletes are using the calf kick a lot. Um, but Superlek showed that the old school combo to low kick is still just as good as any other day. And he was mean on the low kick and he had a good advantage over uh, Takuru who was just a little bit too late looking for the boxing a little bit too much. He had a great read on his step. Uh, anytime he closed the distance or he uh, um, worked his way into the low kick striking range, he was able to score. Anytime he got off boxing combos, Superlek was able to finish with a uh, low kick. Uh, he just did a great job to get himself up two rounds. It was clear. It wasn't close. Then comes round three. At this point, we can see that the leg is, you know, damaged. We can see that Takuru is hopping around. Takuru has makes makes spine up. I got to close the distance. I just have to throw no matter what, no matter how painful this is. He, they get into an exchange, and after the exchange is over with, Takuru will land, and he landed several throughout the fight. He landed a left body kick. When the left body kick scored, Superlek said later that his whole body shut down, and he just covered his ribs, and it was unsurvival. Takuru got to be Takuru after that. Close the distance. He's throwing power shots to the body, to the head. Uh, all hooks. He's in range. It's pretty much, I mean, you could argue that it was a 10-8 round without a knockdown because all it is is Superlex surviving. You know, I'm completely fine. Of course, they scored at 10-9, uh, but he was just surviving the whole round. Rounds four and five are... Um, Still super luck rounds. Like he came back, was able to get the low kick going, was able to recover, but they were not the same as the first two rounds. Takuru had figured some things out at close to distance. He was able to get his offense going. In the end, the cards didn't go in his favor. Uh, the um, crowd was, you know, super supportive. He's still a huge star, um, but he was de definitely disappointed. He said he wanted to prove he was the strongest, even though the opponent had changed. You guys heard me from the last podcast. I was not a big fan of this fight. And the reason why I wasn't a fan of this fight being made is because the war of styles is what we wanted to see. We wanted to see Takaru against Rod Tang, the two guys that stay in the pocket who don't care about defense, who just let it go and wore it out. So when this fight was made, my worry, of course, is that Superlek, who had already beat Rod Tang, would then beat Takuru. So if they ever did fight, it'd be the battle of the two guys who lost to Superlek. That is what happened. Superlick got the win. 
I do feel like the internet feel was more that Takuru lost than that Superlek won. But Superlek got the win. He looked really good. Uh, his combos were smooth. He, he was big and strong. And the fight looked kind of how I thought it would look. I thought he did a great job there. Um, but uh, I was just disappointed because I thought they should have held off and waited for, you know, just gave him a, a softball, if you will. Make sure he get a stoppage in front of his home fans and then build on the raw tank fight for down the road. Now I feel like the fight has no build because, you know, it still be fun because of the it still will be fun because of their styles but nothing's on the line really now so it's just disappointing that that happened with that said super like did a fantastic fantastic job fighting and um put on a great show so then i'm gonna have to go ahead and slide to something bad before i go through the rest of the card after the fight they give chachri the uh, sit your tongue they give him the mic they ask him about it and he pretty much buries japanese fighters he says that uh you know japanese fighters are k1 fighters uh they're not as good as who he has in one championship their styles aren't as good that's why they always come over and they always lose unfortunately for him all over his roster he's got guys that are not from one championship that were k1 that had success there that were in glory that had success there there was no need for the comment the comment is not accurate uh now clearly they have the best wealth of Thai level fighters. I would say that they've got the best Thai fighters. Um, you know, throw in uh, Fetjija and, uh, you know, for the girls division, Superlet Ratang, uh, Nang O, you know, even though they're these a little bit older, they for sure have the best roster of Thai talent for sure. No one's questioning that. But to say that K1 fighters have not gone into your organization and had success is inaccurate because they have. And to, you know, glory fighters have done the same. So it was disappointing that he decided to, to go in that direction, but you know, it is what it is. But I, I just feel like, especially, you know, Andy signed the deal with U-Turn, which we're gonna talk about a little bit later. It's not to his benefit to go to Japan and make enemies of Japanese. Like it just isn't, you know, I think that he did, it would have been better for him to say, hey, he did a great job of coming back in that third round. It was an awesome fight. Super like proved to be stronger. Instead, he made it seem like, hey, we've always been this strong. And these guys are always, because remember, he's getting Takuru on the back end of his career. Takuru is not just 33 years old. He's an old 33 years old because he's been in a lot of wars. He's getting him on the other end. So I was disappointed that he decided to go in this direction because he could have just hyped it up, be like, hey, he had an off night. Him and Rotang are going to put it together. I would prefer that he used it as a platform to promote something down the road as opposed to using it to dump on, you know, the organization. So uh, it's it's disappointing that that went that way. Uh, you know, later I heard that they said the gate was $2 million, but in all the broadcasts, they never show the audience. It's just a bright light on the ring, just like they did when they were in America. And they said that that was sold out and they only focused on the ring and they didn't show the crowd. So a lot of people are kind of skeptical of those numbers, but all in all, I would have much preferred he used this opportunity to promote and make much of Takuru and his efforts and Superlek and his efforts. I just would have preferred that. So Anyways, Maraka Gorian goes out there and after fighting Sidichai 78 billion times, uh, this is the most definitive finish. He's able to hurt him to the body with a knee at some point, some boxing, uh, and he's able to get the stoppage. Fantastic job by Maraka Gorian. It's like he, you know, he fought so long. You know, they had so many fights for him to finally get that win. Gets the win over him, and then they move to one championship. Both guys go to one championship. And then they meet again, and he's able to get the stoppage. When I saw that this fight was made, 
I had zero excitement for it. I'd seen it a lot of times. I was not excited for it. Uh, Marat Gregorian at this point has fought everybody on their roster. So I had, I was not excited about this battle. I understood why they made it, but I just wasn't excited about it. Uh, I'm glad that he got the stoppage to have that definitive, hey, no matter what, if you like Sidichai's work over mine over the years, you're still just giving them credit for uh, body kicks and winning decisions where I got a, you know, emphatic stoppage. And I think that's awesome. I think that that's awesome that that came together. But then the fight ends and Murat Gregorian asked to be released from his contract. Uh, he sees the K1 Max is happening. He sees now he's not in that field. As I mentioned before, he has fought all the guys on their roster for the most part. And he wants to leave the company and they have said no. They said that he's going to have to stay in his contract, which does not end until December 2025. Absolutely just crazy. You know, it's just super disappointing that that's where we are, that he's that kind of unhappy. And then it just been pouring out. There have been other guys who've asked to leave one championship as of late. Uh, and it's just unfortunate. I don't. I wanted a healthy kickboxing organization, but you know, kickboxing Muay Thai options. I love that. I want the crowd to have that option. But man, it just breaks my heart that this is uh, uh, this is where we are. You know, with this card. So I'm gonna go ahead and flip it, and uh, you know what? I'll go ahead and go. I'll go ahead and uh, revisit the uh, U-turn thing. So U-turn is a uh, you know, streaming company or, you know, a broadcasting company based in Japan and one championship has signed with them exclusively. Now, when you hear it, the first thing that goes to everyone's head is, wait a minute, Takuru has got a six figure contract, not just six figures, $750,000 contract with a Bena, uh, like pay-per-view contract. And then uh, Chatri comes out and says that contract doesn't matter. He has been signed to uh, one championship and he has to go where we go it just seems like a mess like it is it's it's something that had to have come up in the conversations they had to have you know brought up that hey how do we work about this or how do we navigate this do you guys just have the regular broadcast and they have the pay-per-view it must have come up but in the end that was the decision he decided so it makes me wonder what's going to happen moving forward is Takuru going to fight again he's he was talking about retirement right after this fight now remember Takuru's got money he's the set after the event after excuse me after the match um he's got money for the rest of his life he, he is good he's still a superstar when i was in japan at the k1 world grant or the uh k1 um local event it was k1 max event or, or excuse me is a k1 um uh, local event on Osaka. When I was there, the crowd still went crazy for him. He's in the corner of a, of a fighter. That fighter ends up winning the championship. As they leave and as he stands in the corner, he still gets more praise than anybody. Takuru is beloved and he is a legit kickboxing star. Uh, of only, I've only seen the likes of it you know, with my eyes, I've only seen the likes of it with Badahari. To see the, the, the casual people have that much of rapport to someone. But for whatever reason they didn't choose the route of trying to work this out instead they chose the route of he's got to go we got to go our contracts are exclusive and now here comes the contractual battle people are going to be looking at that can you get out of it does it count for japan does it count it's going to get them it's going to get messy and it's super disappointing because i wanted it to work i wanted takura to go over there and get the rotang fight if anything and then right off into the sunset uh you know one of the great 
all action fighters of the history of kickboxing. But when I saw this, it really did kind of break my heart. I, it was not what I wanted at all. So we're going to go ahead and move on to, let's get some happy news. I want something happy. Uh, the term legendary and, and uh, so the term uh, generational talent is being thrown around a lot. And when you do get something special, when you have someone special, I think the whole world should s slow down and look at, a, you know, when you get such a special talent. Nadaka Yoshinari just won his third uh, Raja title, uh, Raja Damanurum title. Uh, I got to get some water. Um, at Super Flyweight title, he just won it by unanimous decision over uh, Prapa. The reason why this young man is special, it's not just the fact that he's got amazing offensive tools. Uh, he can blend his elbows to his kickboxing flow, to his clenched elbows. It's it's that he's a foreign doing great work, and we're not even realizing it because kickboxing has such a connection to the golden age and we look at someone like a Raymond Deckers and we look at how special they are and what they accomplished. Nadaka's accomplished more. Like, like if you look at what he's done in a major stadium, he's accomplished more. And he's going to be a legit foreign candidate for Sports Writers Fighter of the Year by the end of this. He is that special of a talent. I mean, you are not seeing something normal with him. You are seeing something special with this young man. He is extremely talented. He is gifted in, in ways with his speed and his quickness and his vision and his subtle defense and his ability to fight in the pocket, uh, uh, his kick range where he could play a body kick game or a low kick game, uh, just the flow of when he gets you in a hurt, the way he closes the distance, the way he can trap your arms and find elbows. You are talking about a special, special talent. Make sure you are watching this young man moving forward. This is not like something that you see on a regular basis. This is a special, special talent that we all need to pay attention to. Speaking of special, special talent that we all need to pay attention to, early fight of the year candidate and for sure round of the year candidate, Jonathan Haggerty defeats Felipe Lobo with a, you know, I'll just go to the beginning of it. First of all, Haggerty comes out playing the game. He's got the low kick game working. He's working the boxing. Lobo really doesn't get any kick offense going consistently for a while. He's just kind of closing the distance and closing the distance and waiting his moment. So then Haggerty, and I believe he did this strategically, but it worked against him. He closes the distance, and then all of a sudden, he holds his guard, or he gets back to the ropes and he holds his guard up. And I believe he's doing this because he's trying to get Lobo to throw. Because anytime he get close to Lobo, Lobo would throw three or four violent shots. But he keeps his guard up and he lets Lobo throw offense. And Lobo starts digging to the body like crazy. And then he tried to time a counter over the top. I think it got Lobo a little bit the first time he did it. And I think it missed the second time. But the whole time, Lobo did not stop scoring offense to the body. Got scores to the head. And then the uh, strategy, I feel like in the moment, it backfired. Haggerty goes down and takes a seat on the ropes. And they do a standing count. Um, he's able to get out of round one. But the crowd's going crazy. As Lobo, who was losing the earlier part of the round, finishes super strong with the power shots. Then we go to the awesome, awesome, awesome round two. 
Round two starts the same with Felipe kind of moving the forward, looking for the big power shots. Haggerty's got his wits about him now. He's landing the low kicks. He's landing boxing. But now he's closing the distance, and he's bringing the fight to Lobo. He's much more aggressive with his boxing. Uh, he's playing with some elbows here and there, through the spinning elbow out here and there. But then a big shot with the hands hurt Lobo. He closes the distance. He's all over him, landing big-time shots. He scores a knockdown in the round. Lobo gets a count. After Lobo gets the count, it's almost like he was more dangerous. Uh, he just starts battling back. Uh, very little kicks in his return offense. He just sat down to punches, and he started throwing back. Then Haggerty returned. It was great back and forth by two elite, elite guys. Awesome to watch. Very, very fun fight to watch. Uh, and then they get out of the round. Haggerty now making it 10-8 to match the 10-8 that happened in round one. Round four, or excuse me, round three, then there's a lot of movement. Haggerty is finding his moment, and then he positions himself. No setup, no punches in front of it, no jab, no lead. He was found his range with his feet. Perfect right hand score. You know, like I said, no feint going into the entry. Uh, entry. He'd moved around. There was an inside low kick, and uh, he'd moved around, and he just kind of found his range with his feet. Once he found his range with his feet, he was able to catch Lobo, clean with the right hand lobo goes down he gets up he staggers a little bit and the ref calls it this was a good ref stoppage and the reason why i say that is this i think he could have let it go and you know went for an even more devastating ko uh because lobo was for sure hurt but lobo you know he fought it a little bit because he thought that he was still alive but by doing this he was looking at the accumulative damage i watched you get hit a whole lot and dropped in round two do I need to watch that again to prove a point? He went ahead and stopped it. I thought it was a great stoppage by the ref and a fantastic, fantastic victory by Haggerty. Haggerty got on the mic afterwards, said that, um, they asked him what's next. He said he's got no problem with whatever they choose. Uh, they, they brought up with Superlek moving up. He says, hey man, Superlek's got to come see me. I'm not chasing any of these guys. I'm a two division champion. Uh, he said that he, you know, camp and you know, other things. And I mentioned it before, it's so hard to be your best on fight night after fight camps whether it's injury whether it's fatigue whether it's diet whether it's home life you know bills to pay arguments with your wife stuff like arguments with family stuff like that keeps you from being your best on fight night it happens to everybody and this particular time he said hey i wasn't my best the next time i come out you're going to see a hundred percent jonathan haggerty and it just shows how talented he is that he was able to go out there and put on such a show Next fight, I'll talk about on this card. Uh, Sama Petch, Fairtex, gets a victory over Muhammad Jonas. It was said afterwards that Jonas, who was undefeated going into this, was sick uh, from the weight cut, throwing up the night before. Just went out there hoping that, you know, he showed up and won every single time. He was hoping that he was able to do it this time. But the simplest shots, uh, again, they're still powerful shots, but you could see that he didn't have... Uh, Rabah didn't have his body underneath him. So when Muhammad uh, Jonas Rabah took the first right hand, like maybe 13 seconds of the fight, he went down to his butt. He got a smile and laughed it off. He got knocked down again a few moments later. And then when the big barrage came to finish him, I don't think a huge significant shot landed. I just think he was just worn down from the damage and, uh, you know, of the weight cut or being sick or, or vice versa or and and or. And then he goes down and Fairtex, uh, some patch Fairtex gets the victory. Next fight on the card I want to talk about, oh, I'll just throw a couple results out there. Um, uh, Nuzet Trilo uh, gets a victory over Liam Nolan. And then uh, Luke Lessie gets a victory over American Eddie Abasolo. Uh, Good stuff. Very solid card. 
definitely um, uh, there was a mixed rules bout between Martina. Uh, I'm gonna mess her last name up. Uh, Kier Kinsika, I believe so. And then she went against Wonder uh, Wonder Girl. She's able to stop Wonder Girl. It's the strength. Wonder Girl is is talented. But the problem that she has with a lot of these elite girls that she's she's struggling with, it's just that they're stronger. And Stamp, Stamp also struggles with the strength of some girls, but I think Stamp is strong enough. Whereas for sure, you can see in the body language, Wonder Wonder Girl just isn't as strong. And so she's gonna struggle unless there's a weight class that she can drop to. She's just not strong enough to handle the girls at the weight class. She's got the talent, she just doesn't have the strength. So when they just kind of hulk up and walk her down, she's, she's in trouble. So unfortunately it didn't go her way, but tis the game she's working hard she's she's a regular they use her all the time but uh just just didn't go her way that time now as i mentioned before i want to finish on something you know positive so the k1 has announced their world tournaments for the uh um k1 heavyweight world grand prix they're having at the end of the year uh they've announced several areas they're gonna go to bosnia um herzegovina uh, excuse me, Herzegovina, uh, the USA, Brazil, Italy's going to get a tournament. And those four winners, uh, the other three will come from October 5th event held in Osaka. So I have been involved with K1. I went out there to help with the tournament. I wanted to do the K1 USA tournament here. Uh, I'm going to instead end up helping a friend of mine who does a show uh, in New York. And I've been helping him with matchmaking. Always great. Shout out to Lou Neglia, one of the, the really good guys in the game and one of the better promoters out there. Um, I want to aid him in what he's doing and uh, and then of course hopefully down the road get my own uh, small K1 show here in the States but it was just great to hear that this was coming up uh, and they threw some dates out some of the dates have got two options because they're still trying to iron some things out with commissions and so on but man it was just great news to see that the tournament's coming back now work needs to be done must be must be noted um, we are trying to rebrand this. We're trying to make kickboxing hot again. And uh, when Carlos uh, from K1 came out and he did the speech, he said, hey, the goal is to build kickboxing into a sport that people want to look at like they look at MMA. It's going to be tough because they don't have the paychecks and K1 doesn't have the household name that UFC has. But K1 still has the strongest name in kickboxing, a super, super strong name in kickboxing. And it's one of those things where it's it, it's part of our sport is still very much, it has taken hold in the youth. And if you ever see like Ernesto Hoos or Peter Arts walk around in Japan, it's cool to see how the Japanese fan base respond when they see them. They're almost freaked out. Like, oh my gosh, this guy's still here. This guy's walking around. This 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 guy is a living legend. It's really, really cool to see. So I am glad that they're coming back. I'm glad to be a part of kickboxing growing. Uh, you know, with Glory having a tournament, I'm gonna talk about that here in a second. I was just excited about all of the things kind of happened in kickboxing. And my original goal was to sit down and talk about, hey, this is what's what's coming and this is what we get to be excited about but alas i do not get that opportunity uh, i get to talk about it some but i also got to talk about the other side of the sport the other side of the sport of course is going to be you know after this big announcement i got to go to glory kickboxing and glory kickboxing has a 
He left on his own accord, but uh, Maurice Holes uh, announced that he has resigned. He was uh, uh, executive director. He announced that he had uh, resigned from Glory Kickboxing. And the big thing about him resigning from Glory Kickboxing, it's they said that he had disagreements in the future with Scott Rudman. Now they decided to put on a tournament, and Rico over here was in a tournament, so those two things are a win. Heavyweight tournament, we like seeing those. Rico Verhoeven, number one heavyweight in the world, we like seeing him. But when you hear news like this, it's just unfortunate, and it happens. Sometimes people have different views. But he'd only been in the job for like four or five months. So when this came up, I can see how people were like, man, disappointed that this didn't go, uh, that the directions are different, and that people are having struggles. Man, you never want that to happen. You want it to work out. You want successful shows all over the world with kickboxing. But unfortunately, that is the case, and that was the news from today. But I promised that I'd finish on a good note. And Benjamin Adekboe has been added to the eight-man tournament. Uh, Mahadeen has been had to drop out due to injury. Benjamin Adekboe, even though he's lost recently, he's still one of the better kickboxing talent walking the planet. He is super skilled. And this weekend, when I watched uh, you know Junior Tafa lose to Low Kicks, it reminded me of watching. Um, uh, Adibui in uh, Chicago when I was working for Lori, I remember him beating him by low kicks. And I remember it was it was hilarious because I'm sitting there and uh, they're waiting to see kind of, you know, in the back who's going to win the fight. And what happened was either it was a draw or an injury. Actually, excuse me, uh, Tafa had lost, but he went the distance and the opponent was injured. So then Tafa got to hop into the finals and go against Adik Bowie. And I remember Adik Bowie's coach being like, his leg's trash, we're gonna get him. And I was just kind of laughing because they were like, so that's kind of what happens in those tournaments. People are watching in the back. So of course he went out there, he's able to score some low kicks and I think the fight was stopped. I think, uh, I think Tafa got to the second round, but it was finished in the second. But it just reminded me of Adibui, how talented he is, how much of a student of the game he is. Some people say that he's got one of the best TikToks out there because he just sells himself. Uh, and he's hilarious and he's a great person to be around. I have had nothing but good experiences with him when I worked in Glory. And we, I had several cards where he was on it here in the States. So definitely excited about his future and how talented he is and what he can do moving forward. Him being added to the tournament was definitely something to make me smile. So... I want to thank everybody for listening to the the podcast, man. I it's just always a mixed bag of news, but we got some good stuff coming. K1 kickboxing, we're in a good place. Uh, I'm excited about the sport. God bless. Thank you for listening, and I will be back next week with my preview for the Glory Heavyweight Tournament. So, God bless. Have a good one. Peace.